It's good to see everybody. So you get a lot of smiling faces. Uh, it's good to have you with us. If you're new with us, welcome. Glad you're here with us. If you missed last week when we talked about Hebrews, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, one of my all-time favorite chapters, which is kind of like the hall of fame when it comes to people that have lived their life in faith that God would record for us to learn from and be inspired by. Um, l- let me tell you this, as we move into today and the weeks that are to come, Uh, We are looking at, each week, different chapters of God's Word, a whole chapter, one chapter at a time per week, that is hopefully going to inspire you and touch you and that God will speak to you through. And my hope would be that as we do so, not only would you learn from and be inspired by God's Word that we would look at particularly today, but also be maybe uh, uh, encouraged to go, wow, that's cool. I know that's part of a greater context. The chapter means that there is a a whole book. And maybe you go, hey, that chapter is awesome. I wonder what happened in the chapter that comes after that or the one right before it or maybe that whole book. And maybe get inspired to go, I want to go read the rest of that. God's Word is so awesome. It's a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. And the point would be that I want to just get out of the way and let God speak to us through His incredible Word and encourage us to understand that his love letter, a.k.a. the Bible, is written for all of us. And so I hope you'll get inspired and encouraged today by another chapter. This is one of my all-time favorites in the Old Testament in particular. It's called, or it's from the book Isaiah, and it is chapter 40. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to the very middle, and you'll probably hit Isaiah, and then look for chapter 40. If you want, you can follow along on the screen as well. But... um, Let me tell you this, Isaiah 40 is in the middle, again, of a whole book, the book of Isaiah, and it's the middle of an ongoing set of happenings, you might say. In short, the previous chapter in Isaiah, chapter 39, closes with a small measure of comfort for a man named Hezekiah in that he he is told he will not have to witness the um, conquest of Judah by the Babylonians. Now, then the question remains, what about those who who will not enjoy peace and security in their lives, those who will experience defeat and exile. There are many that will have to endure such things. Well, before God speaks through Isaiah to elaborate on the cause of this future suffering and how God's going to overcome it, Isaiah begins in this chapter with an incredibly beautiful and comforting picture of who God is in the middle of difficulty, in the middle of a storm that they're dealing with. Maybe you're in such a situation as well, and these words will comfort you as I hope they did those pe- as I know they did those people as well. As we look at it, uh, let me begin with a word of prayer. Similar to what I prayed last week, here's the simple prayer I hope we can all pray. Lord God, would you please, as we look at your holy word that is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path, inspired, God-breathed, Word. As we look at it, Lord, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and receptive open hearts to receive what you want for us through your word. Help us, Lord, to just hear you. We want to be sponges. We want to listen and hear and also apply to make that 18-inch traveling distance from our head to our heart, letting you speak to us and change us into more and more who you want us to be. So we pray all these things in Jesus' holy, precious name, and all together we say, amen. 
Here's how the chapter goes. I'll read the whole thing. It's not easy for a pastor to read a whole chapter and not comment, but I'll do my best. Here we go. We'll comment at the end. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, In the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads them, leads those that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breath of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket, or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord, or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him, and who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge, or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him all the nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. To whom then will you compare God? What idol will you compare him to? As for an idol, a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A man too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. And its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither. And a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes. Look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings, he who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each 
by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And all God's people said, wow, isn't that amazing? What incredible truth and power in God's Word we see here. Let me ask you a question. How big is your God? How big is your God? I mean, God is who He is. Our opinion of Him does not alter who He is, of course. What I mean is, how big is God to you? In your mind's eye, who is God? What is his personality like? How big is he? What are, what are his character traits? Let me share with you some words that the Bible uses to describe him. According to the Bible, he is loving, caring, unchanging, everlasting. He is faithful, truthful, merciful, wonderful. And these are not just synonyms. It's important to think about the numerous qualities of our God from different perspectives. This is how God is described through His Holy Word. Think about this. He is just. He is jealous. Probably not the way you think. He is good. He is gracious. He is compassionate, patient, wise, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, sovereign, and perfect, and holy. He is the creator, the sustainer, the deliverer, the healer, the provider, the redeemer. He is our refuge, our strength, our comforter, our rock, our Savior, our Lord, our King, and our friend. If you know the Lord, if you have surrendered your life to Almighty God, never, ever forget who lives inside of you. He is the Lord, the great God, the great King above all gods, according to Psalm 95. You know, every time I get in an airplane, my, one of my favorite things to do is to just pause Look out that little window if I am in a window seat and contemplate the size of God. You know, when you're at 35,000 feet or whatever, you can look out and, and if it's a clear day and the sky is blue, as you look out, you're just like, wow, look at that. I mean, it's the highest vantage point any of us will ever have unless we become an astronaut, I suppose. Um, other than that, it's the highest vantage point any of us will ever have, higher than the tallest peak, you know, Everest. And when we're up there at 35,000 feet and are able to look out, the earth looks huge. And we seem, I seem, when I'm looking at it and thinking about it, I, I recognize I'm so small. I'm just, I'm just 
a tiny little speck on this earth. And my vantage point is amazing. I just love looking at that. But what it reminds me of is, you know what? That vantage point that I have in that moment is just like the tip of the iceberg in terms of God's perspective. I mean, His vantage point is infinitely bigger, broader, better, you know, greater than, than that. His view of things, His understanding of things is infinitely beyond what we can possibly grasp. But when I'm at 35,000 feet, it helps me kind of think about that. Same thing happens when I, um, you know, climb a 14,000-foot peak. I don't know how many of you like to do that, but Kim and I have enjoyed a number of those kind of hikes. And as we get on the top of a mountain, it's just, it's the same thing. You can do that at the top of a tall building or on the edge of a cliff or on a hill or whatever. But one way or another, I think each of us need to stop every day and consider or ponder the size of our God. Every day, we need to do that. Who, according to Isaiah, has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. <clears throat> Let's do this. So, in the hollow of my hand, oh, there we go, without spilling. I think I got, what is that, maybe two teaspoons, maybe? God can do that and then add to it the Atlantic, the Pacific, the Indian Ocean, you know, Mediterranean Sea, you name it, whatever. He can put all of the water on our planet in there, and he's just getting started. I stopped at what? Two teaspoons, maybe? How big is your God? Or weighed, as Isaiah says, weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance. So, found this at Goodwill. I thought it was kind of cool. And um, this is a piece of Mount Vesuvius from Italy, the, the, the mountain that exploded and blew up and covered up the wicked city of Pompeii. This is, this is from a much closer place, just, uh, uh, what's it, what I wrote, I wrote it down, Capulin, a little, uh, little volcano that is no longer active in New Mexico, not too far from here. But anyway, you know, I can have fun thinking about these things, going up and finding and bringing things like that home from vacations or whatever, or times when I hiked with the boys, and we looked at things and talked about the size of God. But you know what? God can do that with Pikes Peak, or for that matter, the, this planet versus that planet. I mean, how big is our God? We cannot, with our finite minds, really understand it, but we need to remember, as verse 15 says, surely the nations, which includes the United States of America, surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes. Look to the heavens. Who created all these? Let me ask you, have you ever been somewhere far away from light pollution? Imagine you're there right now. All right, all right for the moment, use your imagination. You're not sitting in a church building. There is no roof over your head. It's not daylight, it's dark, and we're not anywhere near any light except God's natural creation. And you're able to look up and maybe see something like that. Um, or, or maybe, look at the next one here, show the next one there. Maybe you're looking up, you're laying on your back, and you're looking up at that. As you do, listen to God's questions again. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? You know, astronomers now estimate, and that's a key word, they're guessing, 
but they estimate 400 billion stars in that picture in our Milky Way galaxy. 400 billion. It's hard to even wrap your mind around how much a billion is. You know, it's a thousand millions. You're like, wow, that's staggering to contemplate. 400 billion. And yet, you know what? That's just the tip of the iceberg because astronomers also guess or estimate that there are, check this out, 125 billion more galaxies in our universe. 400 billion stars in our one galaxy and 125 billion more galaxies. So the total number of stars, and this doesn't even count the planets that all revolve around all the stars, like in our solar system here, the, the total number of stars is estimated to be 1 times 10 to the 22nd power, a number we, of course, do not have a name for. Or you could say it this way, it's 10 billion trillions. 10 billion trillions. It's silly to even try to wrap our finite mind around something that, that huge. But that is a backdrop for then when we read verse 26, Isaiah said, He who brings out the starry hosts one by one, one by one, counting all 10 billion trillion stars, one by one, and calls them each by name, because of His great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing, not even one. You know, the average American, according to Google, which of course is always trustworthy, but as I understand it, I, I think this is probably accurate. According to uh, the internet, the average American knows, um, has an understanding of, or knows 600 people or so. And yet we only remember a fraction of their names, at least on the spot. But about, most of us know about 600 people. That seems like kind of a lot for uh, at least some people. The U.S. Census Bureau tells us that there are at least 151,000, 151,671 actually, 151,000 different last names in the U.S., Smith being the most common, um, 151,000 different last names. But God, think about this, God knows the name of all 8 billion people on our planet and the roughly 100 billion people that are estimated to have lived on this planet since He created it. He knows everyone by name. You and I, we know about 600 people and we can't remember most of their names. And beyond that, beyond that, you know, billions of names that God knows. Beyond that, think about this again. He knows the name of all hundred, what was the number again? Um, Ten billion trillions of stars. He knows their names as well. He named them. He counted them one by one. How big is your God? Astronomically big. I mean, we don't have words, really, but astronomically bigger than we can possibly imagine. This is how we need to see Him. This is the way we need to try to think of Him. And, and, and it leads us to the place of honor and reverence and respect and trust that we need leads us to a place where King David was when he wrote this. I love this short little chapter, Psalm 8. David wrote, Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. He knows our names, but it's his name that matters most. How majestic is your name in all the earth. He goes on to say, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, 
What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Will you close your eyes for just a moment? Lord, in this moment, in the middle of this message, I just want to say thank you for caring about me, caring about each of us. I pray we all have that same humble awareness right now of how incredible it is that you, being so vast, would still care about us. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, I can't help but wonder, as David did, what am I? Who am I that you are mindful of me? I don't have an answer, but my response is, wow, thank you. Thank you, Lord. We all say thank you. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. Isaiah finishes his comforting chapter with these famous comforting words, which, by the way, happen to be my wife's favorite part of the Bible. She just loves this passage. There's a really cool story associated with it. You'll have to ask her. She'll tell you about it. But anyway, verse 28, Isaiah finishes the chapter with this. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary In his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths, if you're a parent, you've seen this. Even children grow tired and weary. Doesn't always seem like they will, but they do. And young men, you know, Olympians for that matter, stumble and fall. But those who hope, or maybe your Bible says wait, those who hope or wait in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. You ever watched an eagle and thought, wow, look at that. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That is our awesome God. And think again every day. I want to encourage everybody to pause and remember to do this. Tie a string around your finger if you need to or write yourself a note. Set an alarm on your phone. Stop every day and think about the size of our God. And then, then stop and do this also. Think about this. Despite the massive difference between him, him, and us. And, and, and by the way, that difference. You know, think about the difference between you and an ant. Massive difference, right? Huge difference. And yet that, that difference between an ant and you pales in comparison to the difference between you and Almighty God. With understanding how big and awesome our God is. Pause also and think about this. He desperately wants to be in relationship with you. Why? I mean, have you ever contemplated wanting to develop a relationship with an ant? And yet God does that with us, despite the difference between he and us being greater than the, dis- the, dis- uh, the difference between us and an ant. He desperately wants to be in relationship with you. He even wants to be, according to Scripture, your friend. Your friend. Abraham was called God's friend several times in the Bible, um, including here in James chapter 2 where we see the Bible says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. Moses also had a very intimate relationship with God. Exodus 33 tells us the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. The Bible also records that Job and Enoch and Noah, 
maybe among others, were very close, had very intimate relationships, or you might say friendships with Almighty God. However, according to Scripture, it seems to be, at least in terms of what is recorded for us, fairly rare that anybody was considered God's friend in the Old Testament. But when Jesus came, everything changed in a great way, in an amazing way. When Jesus came to our world as flesh and blood, He came to open the floodgates in terms of intimacy and closeness with Him as our friend even though He is what we just read about. He is the Creator. He is Almighty God. John 15, Jesus said this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you what? Friends. I've called you friends. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that while Jesus was indeed human, born of woman, flesh and blood, like you and me. He was and is Almighty God, the creator of all that exists. Don't ever be lulled into complacency or into a place of of failing to understand how awesome He was. Just because He walked around in a human body like you and me does not mean He was one of us in the in the, in the complete sense as, well, He was in the complete sense, but not limited to. He was that But he was so much more as well. At the same time, fully God and fully human at the same time. John chapter 1 verse 3 confirms who Jesus was. Says John said, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has ever been made. And it is him who came to this world to die for you and me so as to pave our way, our path, so that we could be in relationship with Almighty God, be forgiven of our sins, even be a friend of God, as Abraham was called. That's how badly God, that's how badly Jesus wanted to be in relationship with you, that He would come and die the way He died for you for me, for all of us. That's why he also said in John 15, Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his, say it again, friends. No greater love than that. And he did that because you and I are his friends. Despite him creating the billions and trillions of stars, being so vast, so big, he loved us enough that He came to this world. God loved us so much that He sent His only Son to die for us. You know, the Bible tells us, and and so does any honest look in the mirror, I think we can all identify with this verse in Romans where it says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, right? We're, We're evil people in that sense. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And yet, let me ask you, I want to see a show of hands. How many parents do we have in the room? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Most, a lot of people in here, most of you, okay. All right, raise it again. If, if you seek, I mean, if it's really important to you and you really seek and desire, think about, focus on, probably pray about wanting to be a good parent, a really good parent. How many of you want to be, yeah, okay, virtually everybody, probably every hand went up twice. It's really important to you. Well, as we close this morning and as we get ready to sing a powerful song, I want you to consider something that Jesus said uh, toward the end of the uh, Sermon on the Mount 
In Matthew chapter nine, chapter seven, actually, he said this, verse nine. Which of you, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, would give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, as in Romans 3, 23, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, your good, good father in heaven give you good gifts? Give good gifts to those who ask him. You know, in that short verse as we close this morning, my hope would be that it would lead us all to listen to the words that came straight from the mouth of our Lord and Savior Jesus, our Savior. Think about how good, and I mean really, really good, beyond the English language and its ability to capture such things. The word good isn't sufficient. But how good, really, really good is our Heavenly Father? I'd like to ask if you would to stand with me. We're going to sing about our good, good Father. And as we do, I just want to encourage you to picture the stars in the sky, maybe laying under the canopy of space, seeing that, and just thinking about how vast, how big He is, and remember how much He loves you. And then respond. How you respond, I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. Maybe you respond by just singing with all you've got. Maybe by lifting your hands. Maybe by coming down front and asking to pray with somebody. But let's worship Him with all we've got because of who God is. Let's sing it together.